0: welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. I'm Anne. And we're librarians at the Beaufort County Library in South Carolina. And today we're going to be talking about reading books off of our to-read list. Mm-hmm. We, I think, let's discuss first.
1: <laughs> the the to-be-read pile. The to-be-read pile, which everyone has, hopefully. Yes,
0: any reader has, I yeah. think. I have one that's both a physical... That pile, but you know, books on my shelves yeah. that I've not read, as well as books that I mark as to read on Goodreads, mm-hmm. uh, books on my Kindle that I mm-hmm. haven't gotten to yet. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna guess it's over a thousand books. I'm I'm sure it's over a thousand yeah. books actually, because I think my Goodreads to read list is at like 900 and something. Yeah. How long is your to read list, Anne? <laughs> you know the answer. to so <laughs> so that. You're making fun asking. of me. I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> I just feel better about myself when I hear how long yours
1: is. <laughs> As of last time, my Goodreads to be read list is uh, three thousand seven hundred and six. I do not include series mm-hmm. in that. I uh, don't include anything I own. Uh-huh. My apartment is chock full of books, and I have tons of books at my mom's house. And I have a Kindle full of of yeah. books. So yeah. it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen these. They have there are are websites where you can you can put in your to be read list number and your age and your reading speed and it will tell you how old you are yes um when you will finish your your list and i'll i'm i'm gonna die first oh yeah oh i'll totally die that's if nothing is published right if you
0: don't add anything to your to read list between now and then
1: right yeah so my problem is is that i didn't really have this problem as much before i became a librarian Mm -hmm. but or or at least started library school but once i started school everything sounded fun to me right and before that I was much 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 more discerning and I actually made fun of friends that read things that I thought were kind of too um lowbrow probably Mm -hmm. and now I read all of those things like I can think of specific books that I teased another friend of mine who was in library school for reading for her for uh, her reader's advisory class and now I'm like oh that (laughs) sounds great to me (laughs) so um I don't know what what how do you handle the crushing guilt of not finishing your to-be-read list
0: well, I do try to go through and cull it every once in a while. Yes, you inspired I, me on yes, that. Yes, I so. go through my physical bookshelves, and if mm-hmm. it's a book that I look at and think, I have no idea why I bought this, I don't think mm-hmm. it doesn't sound appealing to me right now, I will, I'll donate that to the library because mm-hmm. I figure I can always get it some other right. way. I could always repurchase it. I could always get it from the library. Right. So I have a harder time doing that though than taking things off my Goodreads to read list mm-hmm. or to be read list. Goodreads, I have an easier time because what happens with Goodreads is that's like anything I'm on reading on the computer that sounds remotely interesting. I'm right. like, oh, I should mark that as to read. Right. Um, so that's easier when I go back through that. There'll be books that I think I have no idea why I put this on there and I'll take it off. I I usually go through this every a uh, few months, mm-hmm. every, once a year maybe, where I'll put them in the order. You know, you can change the order of how they're displayed right. by different things. And so I'll do it by average rating, low to high. Yeah. And anything that's under like three and a half stars is an average rating. I just Ooh, take off my Goodreads that's list. That's pretty high. I did three stars, but that didn't take off enough. So yeah. I switched <laughs> to three and a half stars. And I figure if it's something that is below that. That doesn't mean I wouldn't personally like Mm -hmm. it, but it, it obviously hasn't cropped up. I mean, I've had, I've been on Goodreads for eight or nine years now. Mm -hmm. So if it hasn't come up in the eight or nine years that I want to read it, that I've been on there, then I think, well, I'll take it off. And if it, if it pops up on my radar again, I can always re add it or read it. You know, that doesn't mean I'm never going to read those books. It just means I don't need them staring at me in the face on Goodreads. So I do that. I don't know. I don't know how I handle the guilt. And I'm reading less this year than I've ever read before. Not ever read before, but over the past few years. But it doesn't mean I'm enjoying reading any less. So I I have to come to grips with the fact I'm never going to read all these books. Yeah. Yeah. I I think
1: there's just a moment where you have to accept that you won't read everything you'll ever want to read. And sometimes I struggle with with um. Like, like there are a lot of essays that are written about reading quality versus right. quantity and, yeah. and don't waste your time with frivolous books. But I really like frivolous right. books. I really love a lot yeah. of frivolous books and I don't necessarily want all of my reading to be big, weighty. Right. Um, things that will weigh on my mind. Right. I, I sort of and, and also professionally that doesn't make sense for right. me. My job is to know about as many books as possible. Right. So. I've also gotten a lot better at putting books down that I'm
0: not into. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't used to do that. So I think yeah. that helps too because I'll read 50 or 100 pages of something and be like, mm, I'm not really into this. And right. so I'll set it aside and take it off my to-read list because I think, again, if it pops back up on my radar at some point, maybe I would read it. Yeah, if you get a, and I might be in a different Right. And yeah. I might be in a different frame of mind to read it. So yeah, I think that helps too that I've gotten a lot better and I don't feel like I have every single book on my to read list. I'm going to read from start Mm -hmm. to finish. It's like, I'm going to give them all a shot right? or hopefully give them all a shot, but I'm not necessarily going to read them. Right. So I think that helps too. Yeah.
1: And I, and I also have to realize that my, especially my Goodreads list is kind of there. Like I'll mark things to, to be read Mm -hmm. definitely if I'm interested in them, but it also is sort of to help me remember that I saw it before. So I'm not just, I'm not necessarily saying this is the next book in my, Mm. that I'm going to pick up, but, but I read about all these books all the time right. and we're just constantly getting information about books and so if I look at it at Goodreads and I say oh yeah I've seen this before right. that that's just right. sort of triggers something in my yeah. head um but once you get over say <laughs> 500 it doesn't work so well yeah. but it, but surprisingly there are things where I say oh yeah that's yeah. I remember the circumstances right. of me wanting to read that right. and so it, yeah. yeah I'm pretty yeah. okay with it yeah. I have a lot more people that have issues with my to be read list than I have issues with yeah. 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 yeah so I don't make get you get off me haters. I don't mean to make you feel bad by nah, saying it made no. me feel better about it. I just thought no. mine was huge, and then I saw yours. Yeah, was like, oh okay. <laughs> That's, I'm in the same boat with Anne. That's I'm why okay I, liked, I liked when you were just, you, you said, I'm calling my list and sort of, we're all, maybe you should consider the same <laughs> no, thing. No, I just went and looked at yours. I was like, oh, well, no. she has an even longer one than I do. I'm okay with that now.
0: <laughs> all right. So the way we did this episode or in preparation for this episode is I went into Anne's to read list on Goodreads uh-huh. and chose three for her. And then she went into mine and chose three for me. Yes. Uh, and then that, and actually I had to switch from the right. original one you chose for me because I couldn't get it but right. um and so th- that's how we came up with these three so these each of our three books is one that we wanted to read but th- this right. is the motivation to actually read it as right. we chose it for each other it's so
1: easy to put books off that, yes. that right. are not you know immediately right. needed and yeah. so this is this is a great activity I know it's so fun I love when you choose books for me yeah okay so what's your first one okay the first book on my list is Jellico Road by Melina Marchetta and she's an Australian writer and this book has won lots of awards, including the Prince Award for Young Adult Literature in 2009. So how to explain <laughs> this book? <laughs> there is a lot that's going on and it's it just sort of winds together in in really convoluted ways, but not bad convoluted. It's just really complicated. So it's tricky to explain, but I will attempt to give a brief summary. Uh, yeah, as best as I can. <laughs> the main character is a 17-year-old girl named Taylor Markham, and she lives at a boarding school in rural Australia. I think it's out just uh, near Sydney. I'm, I'm not exactly clear on how far away it is. They go to Sydney at one point, and they have to drive for a while to get there. Um, she's a senior, and she because of this, she's the leader of one of the houses that make up the school. And and when I say houses, I mean like Harry Potter style of, of there being um, organizations within the, within the school. And that makes her in charge of the younger students within her house. And she's also been made the school's leader in the yearly territory wars, which the school wages against the towns, the, the children of the town um, that are nearby and cadets who come from Sydney every summer to um, do a training in the woods nearby. So Taylor has a murky background. She was abandoned at a 7-Eleven on Jellicoe Road when she was a kid. Her mother dropped her off there and just just never came back for her. And she has vague memories of a happy family life, but at the point that we meet her, she's pretty jaded and, and bitter and just sort of biding her time until she's done with the school. The, the only real adult influence that she has in her life is her guardian, Hannah, who lives there. And they have this kind of tense relationship where they love each other, but they're, they don't really get along at all. But when Hannah suddenly disappears, Taylor is really upset by this and, and knows that there must be something wrong um, and that she has to figure out what's happening. Taylor also has this strange history with a boy named Jonah Griggs, who is the leader of the cadets. And when she was 14, she ran away with him to look for her mother, only to have him betray her and uh, call the school and have them come pick her up. So she she just has this fraught relationship with him. And at the same time, <laughs> as all of this, you'll find that the interspersed with Taylor's Taylor story, there are parts of a novel that Hannah is writing about five teenagers who were at the school in the 80s. So this is this novel is really really confusing especially when it first starts out um there are all kinds of threads and allusions to earlier or earlier events that happen that you have no clue what they mean as you're starting the book uh, and for a good part of it you won't know how they go together and i, I think that there was a part uh, i think it was about 150 pages in and i sent you a message and, uh-huh. and just said i don't know <laughs> and i was like this. stick with it stick yeah, with yeah and you told me to keep reading so so i did and i'm really really glad i did it it ended up being really rewarding and I think that because it's so confusing at the beginning, it definitely has a good um, rereading mm-hmm. potential mm-hmm. where you'd be able to figure out what things, now that you know the ending and what everything means, you'd be able to see how all of these pieces fit together and, and sort of the groundwork that's being laid at the beginning. But when I got to the end of the book, I noticed a few small connections to the beginning that that I put together that were really beautiful. Um, and I'm sure there are tons that I missed. And so I, I definitely will want to reread this at some point. Um, so that's always nice when you, when you feel like like a book isn't finished for you, um, even though you've you've finished the act of reading it right then. So even though it's kind of rough in the beginning, it definitely deserves the awards that it's received. The writing is beautiful and complex and the characters feel very real. And there's a a great story of redemption in in the book. So it's, I would really recommend it, but it's just be warned it's hard at the beginning. So, but everyone I know that has stuck with it has really loved it. I, I have several friends that have quit it at the beginning and, and, a lot of our mutual friends have said, no, don't, don't do that. Yeah. You, you'll like it at the end. So that is called Jellico Road by Melina Marquetta.
0: Yeah. I went, I had the exact same reaction when I read it. I remember reading it at lunch at work and somebody asking what I was reading. And I was like, I'm not really sure what I'm <laughs> reading at this precise moment. <laughs> I could tell you the title of the book, but I don't really know what yeah. I'm reading, but it's so worth it. That yeah. is one of those books that books, in my opinion, that pays off. For the struggle is too strong of a word but the i know what you mean yeah like the powering through the parts that you're confused about because it really does pay
1: off and i think it helps to know going into it that it's going to be confusing because i kept i kept thinking i had missed something and trying to go back and read the beginning again and i i read it i was reading it like over my lunch break and so i had sort of a big gap in between each reading so i kept thinking did i just forget something or miss something but once you once i sort of had read reviews and and i talked to you and i realized this isn't i just need to keep reading one word at a time it will come together it'll be okay um then i really loved it so
0: i remember when i read started it and i was like is this an actual war because have you read tomorrow when the war began by john Uh marston anyway it's about like a group of kids that there's some sort of apocalyptic event oh anyway so when they're talking about like with the cadets like the war that they're having i was uh, like are we talking about like an actual like are we in some like post-apocalyptic australia right right anyway so that i was like i'm so confused and you
1: sort of don't know if there are any adults around because they're not really a part of the story at all so yeah yeah.
0: but it's it's great yeah so good though (laughs) so good All right, my first one is New York Dead by Stuart Woods. I forgot I had signed this to you. You did assign this to me. And this was on my to-read list because Stuart Woods is immensely popular. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's always on bestseller lists at at the libraries where I've worked. He is Mm -hmm. one that as soon as he has a new book come out, we have customers wanting to read it immediately. And so I always like to know about those books, but Mm -hmm. he's been writing this, he's been writing books for like 20, 30 years, probably. So again, we've talked about this before, I always have to start at the beginning of a series. So it was always kind of daunting to think of starting at the book that was written in the 80s and has been written all the way through 2016, probably one book a a year in the series. So, um, At least he does one book a year
1: or two books a year yeah. versus, versus James Patterson, Patterson who like, one
0: a book a month. Yeah, you can't keep up with that. Oh. Um, so thank you, Anne, for for pushing <laughs> this onto my to read list. Um, so this one is about a detective named Stone Barrington. He's with the New York Police Force, and one night when he is off duty, he's walking home and he sees a woman fall from her 12 story apartment, and at the same time he sees somebody running away from the building. So he believes that somebody pushed the woman over the Mm -hmm. railing and she didn't just fall. So he runs after this fleeing person and is unable to catch up with him. Mm -hmm. So then he goes back to the scene where this woman had fallen and miraculously she has lived through the fall. And the ambulance comes and picks her up to take her to the hospital. And on the way to the hospital, the ambulance collides with a fire truck. Oh, my gosh. And in that collision and the aftermath, she somehow disappears the, the woman who fell. Mysterious. It is mysterious. So uh, the NYPD quickly tries to pin the crime on the woman's lover as the person who pushed her over. But there's still this mystery of where she went after this hosp- uh, the ambulance crash. Yeah. So Stone's not satisfied with that solution and keeps investigating on his own. And it felt very like 80s, 90s to me. Mm-hmm. Like the there's the woman is a media personality, and so yeah. there's like the glitzy, glamorous <laughs> thing going on. Um, but it was a really fast paced mystery, and there was lots of humor and uh, pretty graphic sex as a warning. If you oh, want opposed to, to that, yes, um, I can see he, why he has so many fans. It was really entertaining. I read it in, mm-hmm. like a day or two. Uh, it definitely want the chapters lead right into the next one Mm -hmm. so you know you finish one chapter and you think well just one more just one more um and police procedurals aren't really my thing Mm -hmm. um which is what this was uh but occasionally I do get a feeling of like I'd like that sort of structured mystery um and so when next time I get that feeling I'm definitely going to pick up the next one in this series because it was fun it was it was an diverting entertaining read Uh, so that's New York Dead by Stuart Woods
1: I think it's it's interesting when we were picking these, for the most part, we picked books that we had read ourselves that right. we wanted the other person right. to read. But that was one I haven't read. I oh, just okay. thought that's different than what we usually talk right. about. And right. so I sort of like the idea of yeah. maybe we should have reserved it for out of our comfort zone. Oh, two, no, that was but, okay.
0: Yeah, no, I liked it. But I think
1: it's fun to, yeah. to just try something new yeah no I like to because
0: that's one that would just linger on my to read pile for right. ages because it's not something I usually read right. so I would always gravitate towards the ones I'm drawn to versus something like that so I right. was I was glad I was really glad you picked it good 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 yeah.
1: okay my next book is The Secret Keeper by Kate Morton and I love that Hallie assigned this to me because I have so many friends that are huge Kate Morton fans and I'd always planned on reading her but I just kept pushing it off mm-hmm. I, I maybe because they're really big books long, and yeah. so I felt like I always had other things I needed to get to first. So she is famous for, Kate Morton is famous for writing um, books that that sort of focus on, they're mysteries that focus on family secrets, but they're not exactly, they're not mysteries Mm -hmm. as a genre. They're just, they just have like mysterious elements. Yeah. And they, they always have beautiful and atmospheric settings. And these are appeal elements that are really, really strong for a lot of readers, especially women, and including me. So I knew I would, be in good hands with this. I, I was pretty excited. The book it jumps around in time quite a bit, but Kate Morton does a great job of keeping each section dis- distinct, and so you're never really confused at all where you are. But it starts in 1961, where a 16 year old girl named Laurel Nicholson is trying to avoid her younger sisters by hiding in the um, in a treehouse that's on her family's farm in the English countryside. And as she's she's looking out this window, she sees a man approach the house, and her mother is standing in the front yard with her her baby brother or with laurel's baby brother i should say and they talk briefly and then suddenly the mother stabs and kills this man and then the story immediately jumps to 2011 when laurel has actually become a world famous actress which was kind of an like Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't have books that have famous people i I mean she's not a real person but it's kind of fun reading just a random she's randomly famous it's not really the story but she just just, happens to be a famous actress so it was cool. And she is going back to the family farm to celebrate their mother, her mother's 90th birthday. And she starts to think about her many unanswered questions of what happened on that day in 1961. Uh, And so she starts to piece together the very small clues that she has about her mother's past, which include um, a photograph and an inscribed book and basically not much else than those two things. And she she uses those to try to, to paint a portrait of a woman that she realizes she doesn't actually know very much about. So, the book, as I said, has uh, the Kate Morton is very good at at creating great settings and characters that that are really vivid and distinct. So, when the book goes back to 1941 and you meet Laurel's mother, Dorothy, and um, see what she's doing during the war, you you get this great character of a really high spirited young woman who's who's living through kind of a terrible time. But she, even though she, even though the writing makes you feel the terror of the Blitz, you also get this sense of optimism and excitement that this young woman has for her future and and sort of is is aware of the danger that she's in but but has the the sort of excitement of youth mm-hmm. that on her side so it is just a really great kind of juxtaposition of those two those things that you don't often find in war books I think so there's actually tons tons more to this plot that I'm leaving out because and to say any more would kind of give yeah. too much away and and the enjoyment of the book is teasing everything open and seeing how these threads um come together into one big picture. Um, but I will say that there was a point in this book when I realized that I had been completely underestimating Kate Morton's ability to lay groundwork in a really subtle way and it blew my mind. <laughs> and so I, I was actually on a flight and I I got off the plane and I sent a message to Hallie and was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it's not exactly a twist necessarily like I hate to use the word twist, but it's it a just reveal. was real. Yeah, yeah. And and you realize you had this information kind of the whole right. time, but you just didn't know what we were seeing. Yeah. And so that, I, I, I think I had gone into this thinking I would really enjoy it and it would be pleasant and, and a little mysterious and it would be a nice read, but this book is really quality. Mm-hmm. She's a really good writer and in less skilled hands, this could have been just a banal, pleasant read. And, and there are a lot of books out there that are historical fiction that are about family secrets that are not terribly secretive uh-huh. or, or shocking. Um, but I couldn't believe how, how good the intricacy of, of Kate Morton's writing mm-hmm. came together. It, it just, I'm so, so excited about this book. Uh, it was really satisfying to read, and I'm an idiot for not reading her book sooner <laughs> So now pretty much all I want to do is binge read all of her books. So good. So so good. Yay. Thanks,
0: Allie. You're welcome. She's one of my favorite authors by far. And if just to put in a plug, if you're an audiobook listener, the audiobooks are fantastic. She has for most of the books, she has the same narrator, Caroline Mm -hmm. Lee. I think for her first couple might be a different or maybe Caroline Lee does all of them. I don't know. Anyway, Caroline Lee is fantastic narrator, and she mm-hmm. does she does them and it's so good.
1: Nice. And well, she only has this is like her sixth or seventh mm-hmm. book. Or, yeah. Or no, she just came out with with the Lake House, which is her probably sixth book. I want to say. So it's not tons of back reading. Mm-hmm. It's just they're, so they're, they're big. So yes. Yeah, but they read read really fast, and and I was actually on vacation when I was reading this, and I was was a little resentful <laughs> of time that not that was not spent reading this book because I just needed to plow through it and find out everything. So it was great. And uh, that's called The Secret Keeper by Kate Morton. All right. My next one is Cold Comfort Farm by Stella Gibbons. Yay. <laughs> uh,
0: this was originally published in 1932 as a sat- satire of the romanticized, often tragic novels of rural life that were popular at the time. Ooh. And it's about a young woman named Flora Post who, following the death of her parents when she is 19, finds that she must impose on her her relatives because she has no way to support herself. And so she asks several different people and they all turn her down. And Mm -hmm. so the only family that takes her are the Starkadders who live on a remote farm called Cold Comfort Farm in Sussex. Flora travels there and she's kind of this urbane a bright young bright thing. young thing yeah and all the people on the farm have these long running problems and they're kind of miserable and uh the farm is really badly run uh-huh. and so flora enters their lives with her common sense and practical sensibilities and just sets out to solve all of their problems and kind of drag them into the 20th century and i don't want to say too much because i feel like the joy of it is seeing how each of the characters interacts with flora and yeah. what she does with each of the characters um but there's this like old woman matriarch figure who looms large over mm-hmm. the whole family and who has a history with Flora's father. And it's just, it's really fun. It was such a delight to read. And it there's a lot of comedy to it, but it's also, it was just like a really good book. Mm. I don't know how to do it. Like it was just well-written. I really enjoyed it. It was uh, witty and it was just totally entertaining. Yeah, But I think there was more depth there too. I think it could do with a rereading that maybe I didn't on the first read i i was just purely there for the story right. and the fun of it and uh, i think there was probably more depth there too
1: yeah i it's been a while since i've read it i can't remember um it, it's hard to not just remember the movie yeah which has i've never a, seen the movie oh my gosh is it good yes it okay. was one of my favorite movies when i was a teenager really? as a very very young kate beckinsale in it oh, before yeah. she became is she flora sort of, yeah okay and it's like she's just so normal she's not yeah. all hollywooded yeah. out like she kind of is yeah. now and it's just she's very fresh-faced and, yeah. and she's perfect for the role yeah. so um the it's kind of a strange did you did you catch at the beginning of the book that they say it's set in the future and yeah, so, so there's it's a couple, set in the future, but it's like a near future yeah where the war hasn't happened yeah right or something I, well and the, there are these random parts or just just details that are included that are like futuristic yeah. telephones and things right, that right. sort of don't make sense and they don't really matter at all. Yeah. So I'm not sure the point of that. I don't that, know why but, she did that. Yeah. That's yeah. I didn't mention it
0: because I was sort of like, I caught it, but I was sort of, cause even she talks about like, like something about television she throws in there or yeah. te- and I was like, what is yeah. this? Yeah.
1: So it can be kind of confusing because yeah. you think that you're, you've missed something, but it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. And essentially the book is just set in the thirties and yeah. that's yeah. all that right. you really need. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite books. It's one of my my favorite movies and I'll and, have to track down the movie oh my gosh I, I think I can give it to you oh do you have, have it, it. Yeah, yeah
0: okay um so I don't think I said the title again that's oh. Cold Comfort Farm by Stella Gibbons
1: okay so my last book is In the Woods by Tana French this is another one I should have read years ago and I've had it recommended to me by people I've recommended it to people <laughs> um but I have never actually read it myself it's the first book in the Dublin Murder Squad series, and the sixth book in that series is actually coming out this summer, so it's feasible that I could get caught up before that comes out. I don't know that that will happen, <laughs> but I like to think that it could, because I really, really loved it. Um, it starts out in the summer of 1984 in a rom- remote suburb of Dublin. Um, it, it feels rural, but I think it's it's just kind of an outlying yeah, suburb. Yeah, like a suburb. That, yeah. yeah, like they're starting a, a subdivision, basically, mm-hmm. um, out in, in the woods. Um, and there are three 12-year-olds that are spending the day playing in the woods behind this subdivision. Um, but when they don't come home by the time night falls, their parents get worried and they call the police to search the woods. And they actually, the police, when they search, only find one of these children. And he is silently clutching a tree and his shoes are filled with blood that is not his. And, or it could be his, they're not sure, but, but it, it's very strange the way it's set up. And he can't remember anything about what happened and doesn't speak for like two weeks that's all they find. They never find the two other kids. And so then the book jumps to 20 years later when the boy that was found who is named Rob Ryan, he has become a detective with the elite Dublin murder squad. But he has made sure to keep his past a secret. He still doesn't remember anything about that night and he is not interested in trying to find out what happened. He he just doesn't isn't, doesn't care at all. Immediately after, he sort of recovered from this this experience. Then he was sent away to boarding school, and he hasn't been back since, even though this is a, a neighborhood that isn't really far away from where he is. As a te- detective, then he and his partner, who is named Cassie Maddox, have just been assigned the case of a murdered 12-year-old girl. And Ryan is shocked when he realizes that this body was found at the site of the same wood of his childhood, which has since been raised and is being excavated as an archaeological site. So as they start delving further into the modern day crime, they find elements that link this case back to Ryan's mystery, which will make things difficult because Ryan has never actually told his boss that he's part of this really famous cold case. So I actually have to be honest, I haven't finished this yet. I've been doing some traveling in the past few weeks and I just ran out of time. <laughs> so I'm sorry. A lot of the reviews that I've talked about have, have said how this isn't your average murder mystery and it's much more psychologically intense, but it's also not your average psychological suspense novel which are so famous right now it's much sadder in tone and more introspective and even though I don't know the end yet I can totally see that this will be a much more powerful read than than what I typically get from a mystery so I think one of the re- one of the words that I kept seeing coming up in the review is talked about how it's devastating in a in a really like the bo- the best possible way yeah. so I thought the writing so far has been amazing it starts with this really florid Prologue that kind of winds down into this creepy pinpoint, and then opens itself back up to create this world. It's it has a setting and characters that are much richer than you usually find in in a mystery. And I, I say that loving mysteries, but this is this is something kind of different. Mm-hmm. It has all kinds of rye observations about the world, and there's a lot of interest in making the world complete and not just a backup to the the story and the characters are really great the relationship between Ryan and Maddox is something that i haven't really seen in mysteries before because they're they're extremely close but they're not romantically involved and they don't rely on detective clichés at all so there's all kinds of things that are going on be, beyond the plot that make this really remarkable and i know that i'm going to love it i know it's going to be in my my top 10 of the year yeah. I, I can just tell at the point that i I'm, I'm or i've i've stopped for now that I'm going to adore it. So she's going. To, uh, the author is going to have to really screw something up if yeah. I don't love this yeah. by the end. So I wish I had finished it. I'm that's sorry.
0: That's okay. Uh, one thing I will say, because I, I recommend her books a lot mm-hmm. uh, to pe- to people at the library and outside. If you need everything tied up in a neat bow at right. the end of a mystery, you do not want to read Tana right. French's books. They are not. There's not all. It's sort of like life. Sometimes not all the pieces fall into place. You Mm -hmm. don't always find out an answer to every question that's Mm -hmm. raised in the book. So, uh, but that's part of why I like them so much. I think that's what makes them extra special is because they feel more true to life in a Mm -hmm. way than some of the
1: mysteries I've read in the past. Um, and they're so good. Well, it's interesting that when this came out, I was, I had a job where I could listen to, to stuff all day. Uh Um and I remember listening to an NPR interview with her and she they talked about how there are elements of this mystery that are not solved and, and people were actually do it was a Colin show uh-huh. and people were, were saying how frustrated they were yeah. with the ending and she just didn't she said, That's care. just kind of That's how this is. Yeah. And 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 it's a series, so there may be things that happened. I don't know. It's
0: <laughs> yeah, she they, it is a series, but she what she does is she takes a character from so in the second book it's Cassie mm-hmm. is the main character and is it Rob Ryan? Yes. Yeah, Rob Ryan's is uh barely in it. And then the third book takes a character from the second book that's a really minor cool. character and makes that the ma- that person the yeah. main character. So yeah, some things well, I don't know. I have a uh, you know, she's still writing. Right. So at some point she could resolve some of the things she leaves undone in previous books, but up till now there are definitely things that yeah. she's never resolved.
1: Well, and that was the one, if I have one complaint mm-hmm. about the C- the secret keeper, it's that that you everything. find out everything yeah. Yeah. and and I sort of like the untied threads mm-hmm. so i'm pretty mad i'm not reading this right now <laughs> all
0: right well we'll we'll continue on so you can get back to reading uh, i still have to go to work after oh, yeah, yes, so. work yeah. um so my last one is etiquette and espionage by B- gail carer or carager i'm not sure it's first in the finishing school series which is a steampunk historical fantasy fantasy series for young adults And it is set in an alternative England in 1851 and 14 year old Sophronia is a far cry from the proper Victorian lady her mother would like her to be. And so she is sent off to Mademoiselle Geraldine's finishing academy for young ladies of quality to learn how to be a proper lady. And on their way to the school, she's with some other new students, and their carriage is waylaid by flyaway men looking for a prototype, and Sophronia is... completely confused. She has no idea what's going on. Uh, But she soon discovers that while the school does intend to teach her manners and etiquette and how to be a lady of quality, it also intends to teach her how to be a spy and an assassin. (gasps) So (laughs) she, as kind of a spirited, sassy girl, quickly adapts to the spy and assassin training. Um, But the more difficult transition is to becoming a lady. (laughs) She's She's always getting herself into lots of trouble. Um, there is an overlying mystery of what the prototype is, where it's hidden, why they want it, all that sort of stuff. So it has that action-packed story that moves quickly, but then there's also a lot of banter back and forth between the different characters. You get mm-hmm. to know the students at the school. It's definitely laying the groundwork for future entries into the series, which I think there are four or five. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i not sure if it's a continuing series or that's it. That's all there will be. Hey, I can't remember. Um, but Gail Carriger has written... Um, an adult series that's set in the same world just Mm -hmm. 20 years in the future of when this series is set and then she's also written another series that I don't know much about but it's also steampunk fantasy Mm -hmm. so if you like these kind of books you have a lot to choose from even if it's not not this particular series Um, so although the prototype mystery is cleared up by the end like I said it's sort of like the Harry Potter books where Mm -hmm. there's a standalone mystery for the book but there. are also issues that can definitely be carried right, on to the next right. book um and you also want to see if Sophronia ever manages to become a lady Ooh. as well as an assassin and a spy I would like to know that
1: I would like to know <laughs> that too so that's
0: Etiquette and Espionage by Gail
1: Carriger. and is that a YA series yes young adults yeah yeah I read one of her I think I read Solace which mm. is the first in in the is it Parasol Protectorate Parasol Protectorate um and I was sort of not in love with it. And then I saw her at Y'all Fest uh, last year and she was so fun to listen to yeah. that I thought I need to go back to this. Maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for because yeah. they're really They're kinda silly. Yeah, they're they're she's trying to be really goofy yeah. in these books and funny. And yeah. that one was a romance novel. Uh-huh. Like in it was steampunk, but really the framework was a romance novel and I wasn't as open to romance yeah. at the time. And yeah. So now I think maybe I would enjoy it more. Yeah. But she was just delightful to listen yeah. to. She was she was dressed just impeccably. Really. And, um and had all kinds of interesting comments on, about her research and, and how much fun it is for her, like how she sometimes get, gets distracted by the research and has to be reined back in to actually do the writing because she wants to just keep reading about all this the Victorian world and ways that she can adapt it to the steampunk oh, world that she's created. So it was really fun to listen yeah. to. So I, yeah. I sort of became a fan after I had read her book and dismissed her, her books. And now... Yeah. Now you're back yeah. on the train. Yeah,
0: yeah I have read most of the parasol protectorate series and I Mm -hmm. felt the same way about the first one but then for some reason I continued on and I really liked the most of the rest of the series like I said I haven't finished yet that's one of those where I don't know someday someday (laughs) it's on my to read list um but the um the other ones I thought were even better than the first one so and I really enjoyed this one I would continue on with this series all right we'll be right back with what we're reading this week What are you reading this week?
1: I am reading A Gentleman Never Tells by Eloisa James.
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear those words
1: come out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm reading it because she is on your approved romance authors yes. list. So <laughs> I saw this offered as an advanced copy and I thought, well, why not? Yeah. It's kind of fun to read something that is out of your comfort zone, even when you're not assigned for a podcast. <laughs> so it's actually a novella and I don't, as, as we're recording it, it hasn't come out yet, but it, it may be released by the time this post. but it's not a, it wasn't a big commitment if I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So why not? So I learned after the fact that it's part of a, a series called the Essex Sisters series and I hadn't read any of those. I think this is after the fourth book uh-huh. but I didn't have any problems understanding what was going on. The characters from the series are, are, are characters in this book I should say, are the main characters of the other four books uh-huh. and these they're just side characters okay. at this point. So it's not, um, they refer to things that have happened in, in those books but it isn't done in a way that made it confusing at all uh-huh. for me. So if you're not Interested in reading the rest of the series? Then you'll be fine with this. It's a regency romance that is about an English noblewoman named Lizzie Trout, and she had been widowed eighteen months before, um, and the circumstances of her widowhood were kind of scandalous because her husband was died in the company of his his mistress. So she, you find out through the book that she had never actually had a real relationship with her husband. He had married her purely for money and had told her as soon as the ceremony was over that he would not be living with her mm-hmm. and so she's she's barely spent any time in his company. So she because of this, she isn't really saddened by his death. she she feels bad for him but doesn't have a huge mourning period. Mm-hmm. but she's definitely felt feeling worthless because of comments that he made about her desirability and um, was sort of traumatized by the scandal um, after the fact because because she just can't escape mm-hmm. this. So at the time that the book starts, she's staying with her sister and is basically pretty much isolating herself from society, and her sister decides that she's going to hold a country house party in order to meet men that will make Lizzie finally enjoy life again. So one of these men is named Oliver Berwick, and he has a scandal of his own that he's trying to recover from, and he's instantly taken with Lizzie, but he is kind of unsuccessful. She's not interested in in being tied to a man ever again because she'd been treated so badly by her husband. I like... I mean, you know how this is going to go. So <laughs> I'm not going to say any more. But um, I like that these novels, as I said, with um, the Sarah McLean book that I read earlier this year, I like that they're really focused on what the woman wants in her life and not, not just in the relationship, but in life itself. And um, that they're valued for more than their looks and that they get to choose their destinies, whether that's independence or marriage. That's really, really appealing to me. I, I really have, have liked romance novels now because I think that's such a great message. And I think actually this might be only available as an ebook, so you can't just pick it up off the shelf. But if you're a fan of of this type of romance novel and you like strong women in romance novels, then this would be something that you could seek out. Plus there's an, a scene of an actual bodice ripping and that made oh. me laugh out loud. So <laughs> there's there's that to look forward to.
0: Yeah, it's all all the I feel like a lot of the romances now have like a little bit of a wink to the, yeah, exactly. the reputation that right. romances have. Yeah.
1: And the cover, like for a long time they were trying to get away from the the really uh, salacious covers right. and now they're totally no. oh, embracing yeah. that again, yeah. which is, is just really funny so to fantastic. Me. So that is A Gentleman Never Tells by Eloisa James. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so uh, what I read this week is actually what I listened to this week, which is Lab Girl by Hope Jahren. Oh, it's, um, cool! Have I've you read it? Such great things about this. Oh, I've read it. So good. It's a memoir of a woman who is a professor of geobiology at the University of Hawaii, and she recounts her life and career. And the story, the memoir part of the story, is interspersed with interesting information about plants, mostly trees, which are kind of her focus. Um, As a child, her father was a science teacher who encouraged her to play in his lab and her mother was a literature professor. So it it encouraged her love of reading and words from her mother's side and the love of science on her father's side. And Hope became a scientist who can write beautifully, basically. She writes about her life and her research and botany in a way that made it very, I don't know, I don't want to say accessible for me as a Mm non-scientist, but just understandable to me. Like I understood the beauty of what she sees Mm -hmm. when she looks at plants and studies plants in a way I don't know that I would have in the hands of a different writer. So a large portion of the story is devoted to her unique relationship with our colleague named Bill, who was actually a student when she was starting out. I don't know if she was getting her PhD or right after she'd gotten her PhD, but they form this bond and he is this kind of taciturn, sarcastic loner kind of a guy. Uh, He's a little bit different. He doesn't fit into many social groups, but he and Hope have this bond that's unlike anything I've ever witnessed in real life or read about it there. She refers to them at one point, almost like fraternal twins. Like they, they almost share a brain. Like they, Mm -hmm. There's nothing ever romantic about their relationship. They just really have this partnership that Mm -hmm. is successful both as researchers in science and as friends. Mm -hmm. They're totally in sync in their methods of working together and the way they approach their science. And she moves around as, you know, in her career as... A professor and always has a place for a bill in her lab but there's a struggle at times with how to pay him because one bit I didn't realize from I just always kind of assumed if you're a professor the university pays for your research like mm-hmm. they pay you a salary and they pay the, for whatever the research is but what becomes really clear in this memoir is that she scrambles to find funding to support her right. efforts and so it just seems so stressful to yeah. me like it's you know all she wants to do is is research and, yeah. and but she's always every year or two having to find funding and part of that is to pay bill. I mean sometimes she's he there's one section where he live he's basically homeless mm-hmm. like he sleeps in the lab because he has no place to live because he doesn't have money to afford oh a place gosh. to live. But he's okay with it. <laughs> like yeah. he doesn't really care. <laughs> he feels okay. <laughs> so like I said, I listened to this book and if you like audiobooks, that's the only way to experience this book. Hope Jaron narrates it herself. Um, she has a beautiful speaking voice. It's, it's so pleasant to listen to. And she also really clearly gets across the emotions behind it. There are a couple of points where she's holding back tears, um, oh, wow. as she talks. And so That's I think really it's really unusual. I know, audiobooks. I know. So it's very affecting in a way that I don't know that reading it on the page yeah. would have been for me personally, because I know people have read it and have really enjoyed the mm-hmm. print version too, but I would highly recommend the audiobook. Um, I just can't recommend this book enough. It was engrossing. It was interesting. It was educational. It's fantastic. It's probably going to end up in the top books I read the whole year. Uh, It's Lab Girl by Hope Jaron.
1: That's very cool. Let's mention what we talked about today. (laughs) I talked about Jellicoe Road by Melina Marchetta, The Secret Keeper by Kate Morton, In the Woods by Tana French, and what I read this week was, shockingly, A Gentleman Never Tells by (laughs) Eloisa James.
0: And I talked about... New York Dead by Stuart Woods, Cold Comfort Farm by Stella Gibbons, Etiquette and Espionage by Gail Carriger, and La- what I read this week was Lab Girl by Hope Jaron. We should do this episode again to, yeah. to wade our way through the- <laughs> Three books at a time. Three books at a time. That just, could just be our <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: Hallie and Anne yeah. read their way through their backlog of there, books. There are podcasts that are, that are like that,
0: aren't there? Yeah, there's one called Overdue where yeah. they read books that they should have read by now is yeah. their tagline. It's yeah. kind of the same idea. Yeah. Um, all right, if you want to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. Find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your other podcast provider of choice. Our podcast is engineered by Adam Farver. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at BeaufortCountyLibrary.org slash wellread, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading.